Welcome back to Season 12 of Mysterious Goings-On. I'm Alex Greenwood. Just jumping in here at the uh, season premiere before we get to our great interview today to tell you, wow, cannot believe when I started this little podcast in 2016 that we would be at Season 12 by now. But here we are. And it just gets better and better. Uh, lots of great things happening. Matchmaker.fm, which is a place where people go to get on podcasts or to find podcasts to get on, just named us one of their top literacy-based category. They've recognized us as one of the places to go for writers and writing and book-oriented stuff, and that's just a thrill. Lots of great stuff happening with me. I'm going to direct you to jalexandergreenwood.com, where you will... If you would, subscribe to my newsletter. Usually I do a monthly newsletter, sometimes particularly in the summer when things are slower. I'll put a couple of months together and you can see all the details. But a couple of things are coming up as we listen to this in real time. It's September 6, 2023. In 10 days, that's September 16th, I will be at the Kansas Book Festival in Topeka. Plenty of information and I'll put a link in the show notes where you can find out how to get there if you're in the area, the Topeka area. Even if you're not, why don't you drive out, meet me, sell you some books and sign some books and we'll chat in the whole bit. Sound good? A couple other things. I will not be, however, at the local author fair for sponsored by the Mid-Continent Public Library System. I was there last year, but I was not invited back this year, which is kind of a bummer, but I understand. They've got so many slots and they've got to let everybody have a shot. But I know plenty of writers that I know and that you should know will be there. So if you're in the Kansas City area, that'll be coming up soon too. Just Google that. I've got some exciting things that are going to happen with the John Pilot mysteries, believe it or don't. Yes, it is basically finished, but that doesn't mean there's nothing else coming down the pike. I've got something pretty special coming up on that, and I'll tell you more about that in episodes coming up. Okay, I did not want to start horning in on the guest time here on the show, but I want to just say thank you again. Welcome back. I hope you will continue to subscribe, follow me wherever you get your podcast. I really could use those five-star reviews to help people find the show. It's social proof. It lets people know, you know what, that guy's generally worth listening to. So if you could, please subscribe and then do a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. If you don't know how to do that, just let me know. Just uh, DM me somehow through this. Email me at alex at alexgpr.com. I can send you a little how-to. It takes just a few minutes. It's no big deal at all to learn how to do it. And all your favorite podcasters will really appreciate that. Don't forget also my monthly show I do with my buddy Jamie Green, my evil twin, Going to Killing City. It is a podcast uh, based in Kansas City about strange murders and crimes. Um, Every city's got weirdness. If there's humans, there's going to be weirdness. But I assure you, there's some really cool stuff on that show called Going to Killing City. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Also, uh... Bittersweet, uh, Chica and the Man. We uh, we have an announcement to make on our latest episode, uh, next couple episodes, and then uh, uh, you'll want to check that out just to see what's going on with my friend Sonia Irish Lazada and me, and uh, what's next with Chica and the Man, that show. And of course, PR After Hours is still chugging along. Season 8 of PR After Hours starts tomorrow, September 7th, 2023, and that show, oy, it's going great. I'm having to turn people away as guests. I just don't have the uh, bandwidth and time to uh, pump out uh, 30 or 40 interviews uh, for that show this season um, or this one. I'm Last year I did I think 42 interviews and that's a lot for one season. So you put that together with the previous season. I don't know how much there was. It was a lot. It was a lot of interviews. So this year we're going to try very hard this season, season 12, to go between September and December of 2023. We're going to try to keep it to 15 or 20 guests, and I'll be back a little more than I usually am to blab at you with a monologue or an essay or something like that. 
Speaking of which, don't forget to check out my Substack, All the Fits That's News. It's my opinions, it's business stuff, it's politics, it's culture, plenty of rank silliness. You could subscribe on Substack for free. There's a paid option too. We've got some paid subscribers who've signed up and they get some stuff, one, before everybody else, and two, they get some stuff that nobody else gets. So if you think that might be of interest, just to follow the link in the show notes. And occasionally I'll be reading some of my uh, essays on this show as a, in form of a monologue. And also there is the Mysterious Goings-On NPR After Hours feed uh, going into uh, the Substack. But it's probably a little easier to listen to it through your podcast aggregator. But lots of stuff like that going on. My gosh, I'm hoping to have a couple more fall dates, though, for some author appearances. I just completed, by the way, a wonderful uh, webinar with the Tucson sisters in crime organization bunch of mystery and thriller writers and i had a blast doing it and i'm open to do that with your local group i can talk about why authors should uh, go on podcasts in particular that's one biggie and blogging those are the two things i'm really excited to talk to people about also reader groups uh, i did a book club a few a few weeks back here locally went over to the house had some wine with these wonderful ladies we talked about the book and they raked me over the coals on a few things and it was fun 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 i loved it i can do that in person in the kansas city area or if you want to buy me a plane ticket put me up for the night i can do it wherever you are but probably the easier and less expensive way to do it would just be maybe we do it on a zoom or something everybody pour a glass of wine and fire away with questions uh, about the book and i of course always give book clubs super 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 deep discount on the book on the paperback if you guys want to get that Okay, well, you know, as I always say, without further ado, and then there's more ado, so as soon as I turn off this mic, I know I will have forgotten to tell you something, and if I, that is the case, then maybe I'll come in at the end, but for now, why don't we get on with the season premiere of season 12 with author Joe West. Ah, the season of giving is almost upon us, and nothing speaks to the holiday spirit quite like the written word. Mysterious, suspenseful, and sometimes downright thrilling. If you're a faithful listener of Mysterious Goings On, and I have to assume you are because you're listening to my voice right as we speak, we've cooked up something special just for you, so grab a cup of hot cocoa or some cider, tune in and listen up. We're doing a holiday book giveaway. We're giving away a collection of riveting books that have one thing in common. They've been featured on your favorite podcast, Mysterious Goings On. And because we love our listeners, there's a cherry on top. There's even going to be autograph books by yours truly, J. Alexander Greenwood. This is your chance to score some great books for the readers on your holiday season list. So here's how you do it. It's very simple. Go over to jalexandergreenwood.com. That's the home of my work and the John Pilot mysteries and all my other books and writings. And join our email list. You just go to the homepage, scroll down, you'll see a place where you can enter your email. Then once you get the email in your inbox, you have to verify it. And boom, you're in, right? Trust me, your inbox won't regret it. You will only get periodic emails. I won't be bothering you every day. That's so obnoxious. It'll just be to let you know whenever we have a new post on the uh, blog for the site or if we have special announcements and of course we also have giveaways and discounts that are available only to people who subscribe to the list sign up there or if you're already signed up there you're already in for a chance to win hey do you want to up the odds you can earn extra entries by sharing our social media posts about the giveaway each shares an additional roll of the dice in your favor so even if you win the grand prize let's say you're still up to win another prize pack so we're giving away several so this is kind of a cool thing 
All you have to do is screenshot your share and send it to me, alex at alexgpr.com. It's that simple. Just screenshot it, say, here's an additional entry for you, Alex. I shared this on my Facebook, or I shared this on Insta, or I shared this on Twitter, wherever you want to share it. Okay, here are the things. The dates to remember, you got to mark your calendar now. This giveaway kicks off on November 1 and runs until December 7th, 2023. And here's what you can win. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to have three different prize packs. Okay, second runner-up scores one book by featured author and one book autographed by me. The first runner-up takes home two books by featured authors on the show and one autographed book by me. And the grand prize winner receives three books by authors who've been featured on Mysterious Goings On plus one autographed book from me, J. Alexander Greenwood. I mean, think about this. There is enough there for you to to give away uh, all of these and make so many people happy. Or you can just, uh, you know, hoard them for your own self. And uh, who will know and who will blame you if you do? Okay, what's the fine print? Well, unfortunately, we can only ship to addresses within the United States. To our international listeners, we promise we're working on ways to include you in the future. I could probably swing a thing where I can give away a free copy of one of my books on ebook. If you're part of this mailing list, you will be notified when those books are made free on Amazon.com, and you can just go get them. So there you go. And that's it, folks. It's a giveaway that's as simple as it is rewarding. Join us in celebrating not just the mystery genre and the thriller genre and the suspense genre and more, but the spirit of the season. And don't wait. These books won't read themselves. And in the world of mysterious goings-on, you never really know what's around the next page. Good luck. And as always, keep listening and keep reading. Autumn, with its vibrant foliage and crisp air, it's indeed a special time for many, definitely me. The allure of Halloween on the horizon and the symbolic transition from life to dormancy in nature makes it a, a season of reflection. And I've noticed, however, that the seasons don't seem quite the same as they did in my youth. Have you? That observation about the changing nature of seasons is not just a matter of personal perception. I really don't think so. There's scientific backing to it. Literally in the span of a few decades, there has been a noticeable shift in climate patterns. Research indicates that climate change has led to warmer temps, which in some places can mean shorter and milder autumns. Ugh. These shifts can delay the onset of fall colors and even affect the vibrancy and duration of fall foliage. Additionally, unpredictable weather patterns and extreme events are becoming much more common. Just turn on the news, right? Then again, don't turn on the news. There's... You don't want to turn on the news today. In terms of what's causing these changes, human activities play a huge role. Come on, let's just don't dance around it. As a father, thinking about my 15-year-old daughter and all of her friends and her generation and the increasingly precarious state of our planet that they are going to have to inherit and endure, uh, it deeply troubles and concerns me. And I hope I hope it does you. And if it, and if you want to know more about it, you're in luck. We are very excited to meet today's guest, Dana Klesanen, co-founder and chief executive officer of Evolutionary Guidance Media. She was recognized by Forbes as one of the 50 leading female futurists. Dana has been brilliantly bridging the gap between innovative strategy and global well-being for quite a while now. And beyond her steam roles, though, she is the pioneering mind behind the rewilding lab. We got to ask her about that. But today, most importantly, 
back to what I was talking about earlier, we delve into Future Hack, the first in the Chronicles of Gaia series. The kid heroes in this innovative series are recruited by the Global Anticipatory Intelligence Agency, aka GAIA. I hope that if it's not Gaia, I'm, I'm she's nodding. I'm good. I don't. I didn't make a fool of myself yet. Stay tuned. There's plenty of time to work on behalf of our fragile planet. This is not just a fun story, but a beacon of hope and empowerment for our next gen environmental stewards, encouraging middle grade students to think about their futures and champion this wonderful lonely blue dot that we all live on planet Earth. Let's meet futurist and author Dana Klesan. And Dana, welcome to Mysterious Goings On. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here, Alex. And um, that was such a beautiful introduction and um, setting the stage for this conversation. I really appreciate that. Oh, well, you're so welcome. I, and I, you know, I almost thought, geez, am I trivializing this? Because Alex is bemoaning the fall leaves not looking right like they did when he was a kid. But I just think we got to find touch points where everybody can agree on. I think that's a really beautiful way to begin. And, and I say that because, you know, what you said about the fall leaves ties to the rewilding lab. Um, part of the, the genesis behind that was I did, a, I did some studying with um, a Brit, uh, Martin Shaw. Uh, you may be familiar with his work. Um, he's written several books and um, he talks about myth. And, um, and one of the things about that is the way over the course of you know whatever millenniums, the uh, that our myths have evolved, right? And in the beginning, the the earth and the sun and um, everything around us was awe inspiring, and and what we, um, for lack of a better word, let's say, worshipped and and found took a lot of solace in, um, and then you know, as we moved into different types of world religions, one of the interesting things, you know, that began to happen is this fracturing between our relationship with the natural world. And um, one of the things that sometimes I talk about with people to help them understand rewilding, because actually it comes out of conservation, um, conservation science, and and to rewild is, is usually um, about, let's say, going into an area that was denatured and changed and putting it back to what it was. So if it was prairie before, turning it back to prairie, or if it was forest land, turning it back to forest land. Um, but because my background is as a psychologist, what I was really interested in is what is that same landscape change going on inside of us? So what happens, let's say, when your great-grandfather, what, what was the fall season like for your great grandfather, for example, that that for your great grandchildren, it will not be that way. Right. And and that's what you sort of spoke to that the the changing of the climate changes everything. And you know, it change it not only changes us outside, but because we're in relationship with the natural world, it changes us inside, changes everything about the way we also develop and think and feel and um, and our connectivity. And so I think there's a lot more about um, the changing climate that other than let's just say that flooding and the fires and the hor horrible things, but just also what are we, what do we lose as something that co-evolved with the planet? Um, what does our psyche lose? Um, so anyway, that's a segue, but <laughs> well, no, it's it's good. And can I can I just go back to something you were saying there? It, it sparked something, and this is again my streak of not saying anything dumb. My end, but let me just try uh, with, with this. 
so you talked about how there's this fracturing, right? Um, you know, and Carl Sagan, and I, I'll paraphrase Carl Sagan, who, you know, one of my heroes. Uh, Mine too. He talked about how, um, you know, uh, about how humans kind of put themselves above and, and over everything else as if we're not really part of this uh, ecosphere. We're not part of really the, the, the way the planet works, that we're not part of the planetary dynamic. Um, that was something, uh, I mean, I started reading his stuff when I was a kid and, and I just finally start to understand it more as an adult uh, and an older guy, uh, but, but I'm starting to live it. And I always remember his warnings about, about these things and, and how prescient he was. And I gotta be, I gotta be, admit when I was reading like dragons of Eden and broke his brain and all the books he wrote early on um, before he passed in the nineties, I was reading them all. And then, uh, demon haunted world of course um i kind of thought he's being a little alarmist and and scarily he wasn't oh my gosh so much of what he predicted is is coming true but the beyond the carl sagan alley i just ducked into i was going to say though that when you talk about this fracturing do, do you you know you think about how there's always the uh these parallel tales in different uh, cultures about about things but take the flood for example it's not just in the bible it was in, wasn't it in gilgamesh the tale of and i mean it's in all these different tales and what what i think is ironic about this is a lot of folks who want to be other than the planet seem to cling to these stories but they seem to forget that the way humanity is always wiped out is by usually an ecological disaster i mean do you see something here that i'm am i seeing something or is this silly i don't know yeah no i think that's a, a very val valuable point and you know it is an interesting fact that you know some climate deniers for example they do point to things like okay well the earth is all the climate's always changing. There's always been floods and ice ages and this and that. And what they miss, what they seem to somehow miss is, yes, that's true. But those things happened over huge spans of time. Right. And we have very clear scientific evidence for a long time now that humans are changing, that our activities are changing the climate. And I often think, um, you know, it's, it's really hard for me to imagine how anyone could look at how life has changed since the industrial age and, and how we live on this planet and not recognize um, that, you know, that we actually are living in unsustainable ways that are, in fact, changing the planet. And, you know, if if some other species were doing it, you know, like all of a sudden cows were colonizing and and they started, you know, whatever living in a in a way on this planet. I mean, we would be able to notice it, but it's because right. of this lack of self reflection and and just an unwillingness to change um, lifestyles. And and I do think that that's one of the things that brings us maybe to the youth today is yeah. I do feel like that they are willing to change lifestyles, but they will need support around that because, you know, usually we live sort of what we inherit. We, we maybe kind of recreate, we think we need to recreate what our parents had possibly. And for many, many generations, it was, you know, you wanted to do better and to do better, right. maybe to have, to have more, to have a larger house more cars or, or whatever. And um, what we've learned is, you know, in fact, we need to reduce th that kind of consumption and find, um, find other types of pleasure. 
A hundred percent. I, of course, I just on the materialism side, I, I, I live comfortably, but I would rather have the money that maybe others would spend on a lot of toys and cars and things and use that to travel. And of course, I know travel leaves its own footprint, but I'm just saying there are other things out there for people. And um, anyway, uh, but I don't want to get off on that. But I, I, I do love this direction you're going. So let me ask you, though, when we talk about future hack, you talked about the new generations. It's evident that you you're like, we got to focus on the next generation and support them, as you said. So what was the defining moment that drove the creation of this book series you're working on? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's been building for a while. I started, um, I mean, and I can go all the way back to my childhood and say that I was, you know, sort of a little bit of a young activist, but it was before there really was, you know, such things. There certainly wasn't social media to spread any kind of awareness. Um, and it was simple things like in my neighborhood where I was at the time, my family traveled some while I was growing up and we always ended up in, a, let's say, a new neighborhood mm -hmm. where uh, they were clearing fields, clearing, taking down trees to put up houses. And, yeah. and I remember, you know, riding around on my bicycle, untying the um, ribbons off the trees to try to save them from being oh taken down. Uh, only many years later, I found out that um, some of those were the ones that were tagged to be saved, but I didn't know the color codes. So, um, so oh, yeah, wow. some of it just um, comes from my own um, frustration as a child to not be able to make impact. Um, and then I guess it sort of all spirals together in the sense that um, psychologically speaking, I became concerned about 20 years ago about uh, learned helplessness in youth. Um, learned learned helplessness. Are you familiar with that term? I am. I am. Okay. Um, so I, I wanted to create something to empower youth so that they felt like they in fact did have a voice and, and they could take action, particularly because one of the areas I have done a lot of research in is, is the use of um, technology, media, and things like that to spread awareness. Um, so I started with building a, this platform called Cyber Hero League that was that aimed to that. And we did several events in New York and, and around the United States, um, empowerment events for youth. Um, and slowly but surely, I, I had this idea to create characters to help support the message. And so uh, in a long kind of way, eventually this became came into being the book, Future Hack. Um, and it also, well, it tied into my futures research because obviously the future is, will consist of the youth of today who will be the future of tomorrow. And right. um, it just kind of made sense. Okay, uh, anecdotally here, funny little trivial fact, kind of funny. It's on your website though. You wrote the outline in a treehouse. no kidding? Yes, I did. <laughs> I love it. Were you were you communing with your inner child a little bit to do this, or tell me more? I, I think I was communing with my inner child and also uh, my ancestors um, because I um, the type of treehouse it is 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 called a spirit house treehouse, and it's kind of a Thai it's a, a Thai architecture, and in in Thailand they have these little miniature spirit houses. <clears throat> it's part of their culture. Um, when someone dies, they'll put a, a small spirit house out um, as a residence for the spirit um, when it visits. 
Um, and I, that idea just really <clears throat> appealed to me. Um, and I, I had lost a lot of family members in a short time. And, and so I don't know, I think that when I am in the tree house, I feel like I have uh, the ancestors um, with me. I love to hear, you know, I hear that because um, you hear so many, uh, the climate denial types who, who tend towards religiosity, I think. So here you are, someone advocating for this, who has a spiritual side, you know, um, which I think often is disarming a little bit to them. They're like, how do I roll with that? Oh, well, it's not my kind of religion. Maybe that's where they go, but fine. Yeah. But, you know, they can't just say you don't have a belief system, which I think is, is good to know. Um, so they, when you wrote the book, and, I, and I'm going to pull over uh, from the ideological to the to the mechanical for a second here, because we've got a lot of writers out there who listen to this show. Uh, had you written any fiction prior to this? I had. I I haven't published any of it, but I had written um, another book that I had so much trouble writing. Um, it's still what happened with that. I decided to turn it into a screenplay. So I started mm -hmm. studying screenwriting um, and have have made some progress with that storyline as a screenplay. But originally it was started off as a fictitious book. And um, but that was my my only real experience was that I had one kind of epic thing that I was working on um, and that it was, yeah, it proved to be too much for me. <laughs> and, and, you know, I have really, I think if the writers that are, are listening, um, it, it really was a lot more challenging than I thought. I mean, oh, yeah. Writing um, journal articles, for example, which is how I spend a lot of time or chapters for books is so much easier because first off, it's short. It's sort of maybe like more like writing a short story, except yeah. you don't even have to. I mean, unfortunately, with you know scientific writing, it's not very engaging. Right. Most people don't want to sit down and read a um, journal publication. Um, so it really is a different style of writing and with a, with a novel, I mean, you have to sustain something over, you know, a long course. Um, so it was very challenging to me. Well, I've said this before. I, I write mysteries. I've got, I've got an eight book series and I've written a couple other books and, um, and a lot of shorts and stuff like that. Um, and, but, but, but my day job is, uh, I'm in public relations and a lot of content creation. So I kind of both sides of that white papers, dry stuff like that, which my clients are constantly telling me, quit trying to make this spicy, just, just get it out there. <laughs> but, but uh, my point is, is that, uh, but when I do write books though, I realize the sweeping epic is beyond my capability. So what I tend to do is when I write a mystery, it's, it's, it's not quite a cozy mystery, but it's, it's a contained, pretty much a contained world. And I can handle that, right? But if it had to be like this big generational James Michener, you know, or Lord of the Rings kind of thing, whatever, you know, it's beyond me, or at least for now it is. But so I love to hear about that. Um, when you when you've got the book together, and then I want to get back to what the book's about. I jump around, pardon me, but it's it's the coffee kicking in, and I'm really enjoying this. So I'll just say, do you uh, did you beta this with any kids? You know, I really didn't. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, no, I didn't do that. And I mean, hopefully I might try to do that with some of the future books. Right, right. Um, yeah. This book got a little unwieldy as far as length. Um, <laughs> and 
I started writing, I started to include um, something about um, a personal relationship with my dog. And um, so now we're sort of getting into storyline. Yeah, and let's go. Yeah. That wasn't originally in there. And okay. so when I included that, it seemed to really expand the book. Yeah. But I felt like it it made it, I don't know, well, it made it more personal to me. And I and I hoped that, you know, a lot of people do love their dogs. And so loss is a theme in the book and grief and, and right. dealing with grief. Um, and I feel like that it made it stronger and maybe for people who, you know, I didn't want to make it just all only about right the climate and and right. everything going wrong and so i built in some other themes like um uh, ecological literacy is built into the theme and our characters start off at a boarding school that's not quite what they thought it was going to be mm-hmm. um, they were excited to attend and then it's you know changed and um so that left room to be able to in future books, you know, flip back possibly to what it was once was and also or give the characters the ability to put it back to what it was to restore it to uh, its former glory. Um, And so grief, ecological literacy are, you know, strong themes in the book. And then, of course, empowerment, youth empowerment, that the, the kids can do something. And, you know, we, we briefly touched on that concept of travel and, you know, how challenging it is because so many of us do want to travel. And one of the things in the book to, to deal with that, the, the kids get um, an airship that has some advanced technology, um, which I'm thinking is more of kind of a fusion technology. It's not specified in the book. Um, But, you know, I do think that one of the, you know, one of the things that gives me hope, and I, I, I know that people can put too much faith in technology, and I do think sometimes some of the climate deniers, um, or or people who don't necessarily deny, but they they think that oh well, we'll fix it all. So I think one can have you know rose-colored glasses about technology. However, right. I do think it's really important to recognize how many ways that, you know, we already have started creating technologies to mitigate, um, you know, to capture carbon and and other things, other forms of energy. And I think that with with the right resources given to that area, that in fact, we will be able to come up with even better sources of energy that aren't harmful, that, you know, don't have potential to, you know, cause mass mass damage to to people and the planet and et cetera. Um, So anyway, I built that technology into their transportation. And so they don't necessarily have to feel bad about traveling around the world on their missions because they're not emitting emissions. (laughs) Exactly. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, because you've woven love and loss and technology, as you said, environmental consciousness into this beautiful story. Um, And it's gone. It's, and I, I, I commend you on that too, because sometimes there are uh, works like this aimed at middle grade and young adult that I think in their earnest to get the message across, they forget the humanity part. And that's what you've done here is you've, you've made sure that 
like you said about the dog and about there's there's loss here there's there's grief and then and but there's also there's also as you said if when, when they read through the series there's little easter eggs they'll pick up more after they've read it if they come back which i just as a writer i adore that because that's that's what's so much fun for us as writers i think is is to be rediscovered you know to, the best compliment one of the best compliments i ever had was somebody said i just reread your second book for the third time, you know, because oh, I, and I found and I found something new. And of course, then I'm saying, that's great. And then in my my little heart of hearts, I'm saying, oh, crap, I don't even remember actually what I did there. But I'm, that's good. I'm glad. You know, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it just happens, you know. Um, but Dana, um, I so when I think of futurists, OK, uh, I'm showing my age here. But the first book by a contemporary futurist I read, I mean, who was still living. I mean, I loved a lot of Buckminster Fuller stuff and all that. But uh Faith Popcorn. I don't even know if she's still around. Do, do you is. know? Do you know Faith, or have you yeah. read? You know her? Yeah. Well, I know her as a colleague. I haven't met her personally, but um, there's a women um, women in futures group that um, Faith was interviewed for, which is a, one that I was also interviewed for. And so I've sort of met her through this organization that supports, you know, okay. women futurist. So, and in the moments, I know we got to go soon, but the moments we have left about the, the futurist side of you and what you're doing there, um, maybe people listening don't fully understand what a futurist is or what you do. Could you just give us a little capsule of that? Well, I think the best way to explain it is to say that the same way that physicians work in many different areas, right? Mm. You have a cardiologist, you have a general practitioner, you know, whatever, podiatrist. I mean, there's many different types of, of physicians and futurists is the same. So it's it's really hard to sort of pinpoint and say, this is what a futurist does because futurists do work in many different areas. Some work in finance, hmm. um, um, some work in, in organizations to try to help the organization plan ahead for the future. Some work in government to help governments plan for possible scenarios right? Potential scenarios that could happen around the world at, it, at any time. Um, and some, right, are working in, let's say, climate science to try to predict or model um, what might happen. And they use science, you know, and analytics to, to try to go forward from that. And then, you know, others like myself work, you know, in sort of the um, intersection of fields. So I my primary field and education was psychology. Mm -hmm. um, and then I came to futures because the things I was interested in hadn't come into being yet, or I was thinking about what if this, um, so, you know, imagination and creativity, which I know is one of the things that you're interested in, um, play a large role in, in some forms, I would say maybe in all forms of futures work, but certainly some more than others. Um, some people, you know, write speculative fiction, right? Right. Yeah. I, oh, I love that. I think it's a, it's a, it's just an interesting field, and uh, um, it does require some imagination, which is uh, the thing. You know, we'll have to get you back someday just to talk about that, about the process of, of how you do that. I would love to, if if you ever have time. Uh, you may not have time though, because you've got a whole series going on here. First of all, first of all, tell us where we can find out more about. Uh, the whole Future Act series. We got to know that first and then where we can buy it too. Well, the best place to look for information about Future Hack right now is at my website. There's a dedicated page for Future Hack and <clears throat> there are some resources there for educators. 
<clears throat> which we hope to expand and, um, you know, create curriculums for educators to use um, in tandem with the book and or any of the resources at the website. Many of them already have resources like the World Wildlife Fund has wild classroom. So um, people can learn about Future Hack at that site and these resources. And also there's links to where they can purchase the book if um, they'd like to support this journey. And I think we all would like to support this journey. And folks, don't worry about scribbling something down. I'm not even going to do that to you. I'm going to put it in the show notes. One click, you can go to the website. So there'll be plenty of ways to do that. And of course, if you can't find it in whatever aggregator you use to listen to a podcast, just go to mgopod.com. And if you have not subscribed there, shame on you because you wouldn't even have to worry about being notified. You'll just get an automatic email every time a great show like the one with Dana Klesanen drops every week. Okay. Uh, Dana, you know, uh, we all, um, we all sometimes think, I think in moments in our lives, depending on what's going on, that our tomorrows are beyond our control. And I'm, I hope we're not raising a generation of people who feel, as you said, the learned helplessness. uh, helplessness. I, and I think it's people like you that are not only writing entertaining stories, but you're, you're giving some lessons and some, uh, and you're giving people the the hope and the power to 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 claim their tomorrow. So I, I want to thank you for that and uh, just tell you how much I've really enjoyed meeting you here on Mysterious Goings On. Thank you. Likewise, it's been a real pleasure. I, I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Coming up next time, it's 100-year-old author, and internet phenomenon, Uncle Jack, and his grandnephew, Damon Vaughn. I'm on the field at SoFi Stadium. I've got a 30-person cast and crew all looking at me for answers, and Uncle Jack is calling, right? <laughs> and so, and when Uncle Jack calls, he, there's a, a, you can't see it behind us, but he has a, a, a video device that he can just say, call Damon, and it calls me. I'm a tech nerd, um, so that's important to me that we can communicate all the time. And so, boom, all of a sudden, there I am on the floor, Raiders and Chargers running around me, and I'm talking to Uncle Jack, right? And I and I, and I I walk around backwards, and he's like, where are you? And I said, I'm I'm in LA. And he's like, oh, that's terrible. And the other funny thing is, if I can ask Uncle Jack, Alex, Uncle Jack, how do you feel about football? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate football? It's just boring. I don't care about that. And grown men chasing a ball around. Yeah. It doesn't do anything for you. It does nothing for me. (laughs) Don't miss this one. Hey there, listeners, Alex Greenwood here. You know, one thing I love about hosting Mysterious Goings On is I get to ask the questions I'd want answered if I wasn't the host. That's the questions I ask, but also I don't just ask questions. I have a give and take. I have a conversation and I have it on a pretty good authority that the guests really like that style. Don't believe me? Listen to John Gilstrap, New York Times bestselling author of Blue Fire, Crimson Phoenix, and lots more. You know, I would tell you that I do, I've been doing this for 26 years, so I don't know how many interviews I've done over time, but this, this is my favorite kind. I like having a discussion 
less experienced interviewers have their list of questions and you answer their question. And if during the course of answering their question, you confess to the Kennedy assassination, they won't pursue that because they've got to get on to the next question. You know? It's question, question seven. Thank you, uh, Mr. Oswald. Yes. Where do you get your ideas? <laughs> That's your favorite question, isn't it? Um. That is, that is. There, what can I tell you? Right from the horse's mouth. We have a good time on Mysterious Goings On, and I hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, if you want to learn more, go to mgopod.com. Thanks so much for listening, and of course, keep reading. Thanks for joining us on Mysterious Goings On. Be sure to follow Mysterious Goings On wherever you get your podcast and never miss an episode. Don't forget, you can get the links to books and other things mentioned on the show at mgopod.com. Until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.